This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to look at secret place prayer, and I hope one of the main things I want you to see out of this is that this whole thing is about relationship. It's about coming to a loving Heavenly Father as a son or daughter and, and spending time with Him, com having communion with Him, speaking to Him, letting Him speak to you. And God speaks. I'm convinced that anyone that will get quiet and take the time, they'll hear God. That God will speak to your heart and He'll minister to you. As you get into His Word, as you praise Him and worship Him, God will minister to you. And we've seen that there's a difference in the Old Covenant and New Covenant, that the New Covenant is really based on the cross, the finished work of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that because of the price that was paid, it changes our prayer life. It changes the way that we look at everything, that we have understanding. And there's a lot of Christians, in fact, probably most Christians are living in the Old Testament. And they're living uh, under the, the law. And, and the problem is you can never fulfill it. We had to have someone rescue us from something that we could never, ever fulfill. We didn't have a chance. But thank God that Father sent Jesus to redeem us and to save us, went to the cross for us. And see, when I go to the Father in Jesus' name, it's more than just a name. It's everything that name represents. It's everything that that name, that person did for me. It's everything, every right that I have to go to the Father is because of Jesus. That intimate relationship that I have with Father has everything to do with Jesus and nothing to do with me. It was a gift that God gave to me through His Son when He died. So when I come in Jesus' name, I'm remembering what Jesus did for me. I'm remembering the cost, the price I'm remembering that death, burial, and resurrection. I'm remembering that I'm a son of God because of the blood of Jesus and the price that was paid. And I come to Father, I come righteous, I come holy because I'm standing in Jesus, because I'm in Christ. And when God the Father looks at me, he sees Christ because I'm in him. Hallelujah. And that's what this whole thing was about. God wanted a family. He's called Father. Fathers have families. Fathers have kids. He wanted family. He wanted us. And he wanted us to choose. To choose him. And we pray from a place of this new covenant mindset. And my, my confidence is, is in the cross. In that finished work. My confidence, in, even in my prayer life, my confidence is not in that I spent so many hours in prayer this week or, or I was walking in love all the time. My confidence isn't in that because that puts it back on me. That puts the performance back on me. And I want to get my eyes off of me and look at him. 
My confidence is in the one who fulfilled the covenant for me. My confidence is in the one that was my substitute that took my place and paid the price for me. My confidence is in Jesus. That's how I come to Father. And because of Jesus, I can come to Father even when I mess up. I can come to the throne room of grace, not judgment, and receive mercy. Let me help you. Mercy's when you need mercy. Mercy's when you've blown it. Mercy's when you go to a football game and you don't bring suntan lotion and your neck is burning up. And they tell tell you it's going to rain, so you bring an umbrella, and they tell you to leave the umbrella at the entrance. And you go into the game, it's overcast, but then the sun comes out, and you are being burnt alive. (laughs) So I don't go to the Father, so, oh God. In the name of Jesus, I claim healing. I'm going, mercy, Lord, mercy. I just, I know not what I do. That'll start my help, oh God. No, I'm going, mercy, God, help me. I should have thought. Of course you can't bring umbrellas into a football game. If everybody puts their umbrella up, nobody can see the game. But I wasn't thinking. You ever been there? Not thinking you need mercy. But because of the blood, I can come, I can come to Father and get mercy. I'm come, I can run to him when I've blown it. I used to run from him before I got a hold of a grace and got some understanding. I'd sin and blow it. I'd run the other way. And it'd take me days to get back to where I felt close to him again. It's like I had to pay my penance, you know. I'm going to be miserable for a while. But now I just run back, apply the blood and get washed and cleansed and my emotions, I have peace again. Thank God for Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb and the price that was paid. Oh, Pastor, that's just going to make you just, you're going to live like a heathen. No, I found that it makes me love him more. I appreciate him so much, I want to live holy. I want to live right. If anybody loves me that much, I want to live for them. I want to give my life to them, my heart to them. I want to live devoted to them. I want to live holy for them. I want to tell others about him. I want to be an influence to others for him. He's done it all. This prayer thing's about him. It's about him. My sin doesn't break the covenant between Jesus and God the Father anyway. What it does, it opens the door to the enemy. An enemy will come and eat your lunch. You're living in sin. You're not. Well, I'm happy in my sin. You're happy for a short time because misery is coming, and the devil is is coming. You've opened the door to the enemy. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you less. He still loves you. You just love God less. And you start backing up from him, and you can harden your heart. And you'll be miserable 
and you will live not like heaven on earth, like hell on earth. Anybody ever experienced hell on earth? Or am I the only one? Okay. Maybe you went through hell this past week. <laughs> but God will. will bless. I just uh, uh, picked this up this morning. I'm just going to read it to you. This is because you probably don't have this translation. It's a Ben um, Campbell Johnson translation. And uh, I just have it in, in book form. But Ephesians 2.8, you have this new fellowship of God simply by accepting it. It is a gift to you through his unconditional love. It's not something you could ever earn by any effort of your own, so you can't brag about having it or about doing anything. God takes the brag away because you realize it's all about him. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor and all the praise. Anyway, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's look at it. We found that it's a pattern. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we got to the end of this thing where uh, we, we talked about temptation being delivered from the evil one. And then it ends with praise. You start with praise and you end with praise. And that's a good way. Your, your quiet, secret place time, time with the Lord. Start with praise and end with praise. Now, when Jesus gave this, this pattern, the disciples didn't have all the pieces. They liked some understanding, and I believe the, the big mystery, the thing that was missing was understanding the cross that Christ through his spirit would live in us. And Colossians 1.26, this message is a secret that was hidden from everyone since the beginning of time, but now is made known to God's holy people. God decided to let his people know this rich, and glorious secret which he has for all people. This secret is Christ himself who is in you. He is our only hope for glory. And Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul, he really was given this, this, this message, the in, we call them the in him realities or new creation realities that we are in Christ. When you're, uh, you give your heart and life to Jesus, you are placed in him. And this is the mystery. This changes everything when you have this understanding. It'll change your prayer life. When you understand that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And Christ is living in us by the Spirit. It says here, he is our only hope for glory. And we think of glory being splendor, radiance, brilliance, and many different definitions. But one of the definitions is this. Glory means God's view, judgment, and opinion, which is reality. God's view, his judgment, his opinion, which is reality. Now, 
In other words, when you're looking at God's word, that is his view, his opinion, his judgment, his, his reality. You have to understand the kingdom of God or the spiritual realm is more real than this realm. It created this natural seen realm, and it is reality. We're all living we're all living in a matrix. So this is what that movie was about. The first one, I don't know, I did read it was Christians that put together, but it was an illusion. And see, this world is living in illusion. I, I've had, had a dream, I, I've shared it, how there was, uh, this world was all propped up. It was just pieces of cardboard propped up. And it was a it's type of illusion. And see, what we do is we accept Christ and we start getting his view his judgment, his opinion, which is reality, and we break free from the illusion. We break free from the matrix. <laughs> I like it. And, and we're no longer living under this deceit or we're living under this uh, disguise, this fake, this falsehood. We're living in reality. Reality is Jesus is Lord, and every word that he said is absolute truth. Not just for now, for all eternity, it is truth. That's reality. So we can live in the reality of the kingdom of God here now in this place that's full of this decor, that's full of these props. And we can live in the reality of God, the reality of his view, his opinion, his judgment. So when somebody says you're no good, that's not God's view. God's view says, I love you. I made you. I created you. You're special, unique. No one's like you. Let's take your fingerprint. No one's like you. I made you special. I love you. Even the word says when that training, remember, it says... You are trained like God's favorite child. We're all his favorite. He's big enough that you are his favorite and I'm his favorite. You're special. You're loved. Now, how much do you hear that out there? Not, not much. But see, God's view, God's opinion, God's judgment is reality and we have to keep it before us. Even as you heard earlier, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Because this world has a voice. And the enemy's behind it. And he's speaking lies. Had someone say, oh, the devil's, devil's been telling me this. And the devil's been telling me this and that and this and that. Well, stop listening to the devil. Have an easy one for that. Stop listening to him. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. So stop listening to him. Because whoever you're listening to is going to start influencing you and affecting your beliefs. 
Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He sat down at the right hand. He gave us an inheritance. But you see, most church believers believe that we should be under a curse, that God needs to judge America where we'll turn around. But see, God's view is not that. God's view in the new covenant, what we're under, it says the goodness of God leads to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Well, you just don't understand. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the curses. I've blown it. I'm under a curse. Jesus became a curse for you because cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. He became the curse for us. That's reality, but you have to accept it. These things aren't automatic. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. You're not to live under the curse. That's the reason I can say my confidence is in the one who fulfilled the covenant for me. So we see here in Ephesians chapter 1, this is a prayer for yourself and a prayer for other believers. It's a spirit-led prayer that we find in Scripture, so I'm just going to read it to you. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, heard of your faith, talking about believers, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know as the hope of his calling, where the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and was the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we're talking about a spirit-led prayer that tells us to pray about three areas of revelation. And the first one there, you got in your notes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know as the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Now, I prayed this for years. I changed that to my calling. My calling. But one day... I got to looking at that, his calling, what does that mean? And it hit me, if I'm in Christ, it's, it's his calling. It, my confidence is not in my calling before God. My confidence is in Jesus' calling before the Father. Now, you might think, well, Pastor, you're just splitting hairs here. I, in a sense, I am. It is your calling. It's his calling expressed through you. But I want you to see the point in this prayer. You'll see all the revelations are really about Jesus, about his calling, about his inheritance, about his power. So the, the revelation is really about the finished work. It's getting understanding about what Jesus really accomplished and what he did. God made this covenant with Jesus, and you look at God did not really 
He didn't promise me anything individually except this. He promised me if I would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that He died for me, that God the Father raised Him from the dead, believe in my heart, confess Him with my mouth, I would be saved. That was the promise He, he made to me. If I would do that, I would be placed in Christ. I would be placed in covenant. How? Because Jesus made the covenant with God the Father. So I'm placed in Jesus. Now Jesus gets an inheritance. Now since I'm in Jesus, I get his inheritance. Since I'm in Jesus, I get his power. Get the picture? I get, because I believe and I'm in Christ, I get everything that was promised to Jesus. I get what he gets. I get his inheritance. What a deal. <laughs> How blessed can you get? We're so blessed. So I have as much right to health, wholeness, joy, peace, righteousness as Jesus does. I may believe that Jesus deserves joy, peace, righteousness. The whole works. Well, you're in, you're in Christ. You have just as much right to it as he does. God has never called you to do what he hasn't called Jesus to do. No wonder we're going to do the same works as him. It's his calling. We're walking in him. Number two, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what are the riches of the glory of of his inheritance. What about my inheritance? Well, your inheritance is his inheritance. <laughs> his inheritance in the saints. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. There's an inheritance in heaven for you. I mean, no, it's pretty good. In fact, the Bible talks about there is actually another deposit of grace that's opened up in heaven for you. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. There's also inheritance now. Now, every promise of God has already been called yes and amen regarding you. Oh, pastor, I don't have all the promises working in my life. It's because you don't believe it. That, that's, what, that's what our part is, is to believe what Jesus did. That's what we're praying for. I'm praying for revelation to get understanding what Jesus did for me. <laughs> no wonder when we stand before Jesus, none of us are going to take our crowns out. I think I'll just wear mine. <laughs> are you kidding me? We're going to be throwing those things down at his feet and worshiping him and saying, Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. That's what we'll be doing. We're joint heirs of Christ. He has qualified us, made us accepted in the beloved. 
Number three, and was the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Well, you need to understand the power he's talking about here is the power that raised Christ from the dead. We're talking about resurrection power. Resurrection power is on the inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it was the greatest power that God has ever released. Even when he created the universe and created the earth, it says that he did not release the power that he did when he raised Jesus from the dead. And it said that God actually used his arm when he raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. That's the power inside of you. It's the power now that the one that you flow and operate through, Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he has, he's not no longer on the earth as man. He has been, God the Father welcomed him back and said, Now you, O God. God the Father called Jesus God in heaven. When he came back and when he said, It's finished, the same was paid. You're operating through him now. Not when he was walking the earth. That was pretty, pretty awesome. Now me, I'll just throw this out. I believe that's where the greater works come from. Because well, we're operating in Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father. What about praying for power? I hear people praying for power all the time. Let me just help you. There's no more power than resurrection power. Yeah. <laughs> There, it's not there. I'm praying and fasting for power. I've been guilty. Got on some long fast. God, I need the power. I need it now. I want the power. I want the power. Give me the power. Give me the power. Give me the power. And all I need, what I needed to be doing is, help me, Lord. I'm believing for revelation of what's inside of me. I'm believing to understand the power that's resident on the inside of me and help me to release that power. Help me to keep the doubt and unbelief and the cobwebs and the things, the cares of this life and the, this world. Help me to keep those things out where I can release that resurrection power. That's what we want. But see, there's whole prayer. Send the power. Send the power, oh God. Send the power. Do you realize that we're blaming God that we're powerless? Do you realize that indirectly we're implying, you know what our problem is, God? It's you. If you would send the power, if you would do something. And he's going, the cross, the blood, Jesus. Eh. Send the power, God. Send it. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. <laughs> now, if you prayed for the power, don't. I have too. I have too. I'm not. I'm saying we've all done some crazy things. Amen? But when I look at the new covenant, God's provided everything that we need. I mean, there's some people that are praying, and it's like they're blaming God for the dead condition of the church. God's not our problem. He's the answer. He's the solution. 
We're the ones that need to wake up. I prayed and prayed to the, for revival and to the revival. I prayed for years, for hours, for revival, revival. And this truth, one day the Lord said, stop. I rebuke you, devil. No. He said, stop. He said, Bob, don't you know the reviveler lives on the inside of you? Just release me. I have not prayed for it since. Do I have anything against it? No. You might hear me pray it sometime, because never say never. But, but, but see, I realized that revival was on the inside. The reviveler, the one who brings revival, is living on the inside of me. Maybe I need to turn off the stinking TV and begin to spend some time with the reviveler. Maybe the reason we're in the condition we're in is because we're not spending time with the one that will help us release the kingdom. Just a thought. Maybe it's the devil's plot to get us so busy running to and fro that we have no time for anything. Maybe it's the devil's design to get us broke, that we have to work three or four jobs to keep us running here and there, to have our kids in five or six different sports, to be addicted to sports ourselves and a 24-7 sports addict, you know, or addicted to movies. I used to work with a guy who was addicted to movies. I mean, he would keep up to how many he would watch a year. He would tell me, I'm going for a record this year. How many? He'd go, 320. I said, what? 320 movies so far this year. I know you're a Christian. How much time? I don't have time for God. No, you know, I... I, I do the best I can. What? What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> well, you know, if I spend time with God, things aren't going to get done and things are going to go down the tubes. No, the opposite happens. Well, I won't get the things done around the house. No, he'll tell you, go get up and cut the yard. You can fellowship with God while you cut the yard. You can fellowship with God while you do the dishes. You can talk to God when He wants to be involved in every part of your life. You're at the soccer game. You can be talking to God. God, look at that teamwork. Oh, that's that's the body of Christ. We're on the same team together. Man, it's awesome. It says that, uh, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at, wow, his right hand in heaven, placed far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which to come. Jesus became a sinner, but then resurrection power hit him and he became righteous. The righteousness of God, far above. The devil's a defeated foe. And even as the sins of the world, that righteousness, that that power uh, raised up Jesus, it will defeat individual sin in your life. 
there's nothing that the power of God cannot defeat in your life. The devil's underneath Jesus' feet, then he's underneath our feet. This in your notes, praying in him realities is based on what Jesus has, what Jesus deserves, and also who Jesus is. Some of you heard, uh, as it was a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how the Lord had spoke to me. He said, one to double. He said, one plus one equals two. He said, if each one would reach one, invite one that would plug into the church, we would double. And, you know, I've heard that before, but the difference this time, it was a rhema word. God, God spoke it. And so I want to challenge you, I want to uh, exhort you to pray who you will invite and get them plugged in the church. God wants us to double. He gave me an ending date. I might tell you when later. I don't know. But I'm talking about quick that we would double. Why? His heart is for the harvest. His heart is for people. And we all know people and we'll get so busy going to and fro, we'll not be intentional about the harvest, about the fish, about the river of God. You know what's in the river? Fish. If you're really flowing with God, your heart's for harvest, for people. Because people need the Lord. And that they're spiritual orphans that need a church home. I hear people, Christians, say, where do you go to church? I go where I'm led. Well, here, let me give you some lead. You carry this around. No, the Bible says you're to be planted in. You're like a plant over here that's just uprooting every week, and you're just going to be stalemated. It says be planted in, be rooted in. That means you got to work through some things. Just like you got to work through your, your marriage. you got to work through some things. In case you haven't realized, she's different from you, Buster. <laughs> You got to work through some things. Parenting, you got to work through some things. Things change. You got these little ones that you got to take care of and look after, and things change. You work through things. That's what family does. God wants a family, He wants us planted, He wants us strong, He wants us cheering for each other, He wants us to be a place of safety. That you can share your heart without someone gasping and going, oh my God, you did what? Oh, oh. <laughs> Vows, remove yourself from us, me. I can't believe you did this, such a thing. It's a... When I'm doing this, it's the same thing it's a, about you because you have a splinter in your eye, but I'm reaping a telephone pole in mine because I'm judging you. It's what the Word says. And we're going around, oh, I'm so holy, you got a telephone pole. Boy, you must look like sight and spirit, you know, we're going around with a telephone pole in our eye. And we're just looking at people with this telephone pole. And we act like these scriptures are not for us, so they don't apply. Yeah. Well, this one doesn't apply to me. It says pray for your enemies. He meant pray for your enemies. Doesn't mean you have to hang around with them. Doesn't mean that you approve of them, that you like what they did. Doesn't mean that you trust them and, and, and do something crazy. It means you pray for them. And then you got 
What's your prayer like? It can't be, get them, God, sick them. Sick them, Holy Spirit. Get them, get them. No, it's supposed to be a prayer blessing. I didn't know this was in me. I didn't know this was, what's coming out of me? Oh, it's supposed to be not curses, but blessing. You did say blessing. Uh, Bless? Bless? I can say it. Bless them, Lord. And at first it might be kind of short and, you know, bless them, Lord. But as you get Father's heart, see, he, lo- he loves them too, and it starts increasing. And you're walking in the love of God. And there is process, and we work through things. But God's given me a frame of word. I believe we're supposed to double and double now. That means you got to be looking, asking God. You might already know who you're to invite and get them plugged in here, but they need to be here. There's people that need healing. There's people that need freedom. There's people that need family. There's people that are lonely. They need someone. They need family. So I want you reaching, reaching out. Each one, reach one, and we double. We go from 300 to 600, just like that. I believe that's the will of God, because he, he spoke it, spoke it to me. Praying for the lost, I'm going to just cover this real quick. Can you claim someone uh, to be saved? No. Because God works through that person's will. He can't just go around. It's like, where's that stop? Well, I, I claim salvation for every person in Olive Branch, in Memphis, Germantown, Collierville, South A. <laughs> oh, I'm just really going to be spiritual. Today. I claim salvation for every person on the planet today. Thank you for it, Lord. Everyone's saved now. <laughs> now, each person has to come to a place of decision. Each person has a will. And God will not violate that will. And if God won't violate it, you can't violate it. So you can't force salvation on someone. Now you can make it very difficult for them not to accept the Lord. But to to go around, I claim their salvation, they may not want the Lord. (laughs) But we pray, and I'm going to tell you exactly how to pray. But I just want to get that straight. That person, you know, sometimes I think we... We do that because we don't want witness. We don't want to have to talk to someone about the Lord. I'm just going to claim for the Lord. But someone has to speak. Someone has to tell them about, about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, The devil who rules this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. They cannot see the light of the good news, the good news about the glory of Christ who is exactly like God. So number one, bind the blindness in that person's eyes in, in their life. You can bind the blindness in Jesus' name. Now this isn't permanent. It's a temporary thing. You can bind that, that spirit of blindness that is keeping them from accepting the Lord. And, and what happens, God will work in, uh, on their life 
And they can close the door to God. They can actually reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you come again. When our kids, they would go to school, sometimes there'd be something on them, and we prayed it off. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You prayed to, commanded that thing to go, that, that spirit. And, but that wouldn't be the only time. They might come back a couple days later with that same spirit. You command it to go again, take authority over it. Why? It comes back. And, and that person has a, a choice in the matter. So it's a temporary thing. Matthew 9, verse 37, he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So number two, pray for workers to cross their path. God will speak to his sons and daughters to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Notice he didn't say pray for people to pray for the harvest. No, he said pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. Somebody's got to talk to them. And there's opportunities around us. A lot of times you can open opportunities to just say, can I pray for you? Maybe they're going through something. Can I pray for you? Just be wise and let the Lord lead, but he will give you uh, that way to flow. God always flows through people, by the way. And, and I believe that you can pray, uh, Lord, let them stay tuned to this TV show. Or, you know, you can, you can pray all that. But, uh, and that is a person that's putting that on. But ultimately, they have to hear. They have to hear the message. Number three, prayer for God to bring things back to the memory that they've heard about Jesus. I've, I've used this many a time because maybe they went to church earlier or whatever. And pray, God, bring things back to their memory about the Lord. Or uh, encounters, or a lot of people have had experience with God and they walked away and just bring that back to the memory. Or maybe... Uh, something their parent told them, or something about the Lord, bring that to their memory. Number four, pray for protection in their life. Uh, I believe that we can pray for protection. They can void as another one of those saints. You can, you know, keep praying. But there's been situations, many situations, where it's been uh, people who were lost, who were in uh, a place of, of danger, and we've been able to pray protection. And uh, I believe that's a place that, we're, that we have. Um, and there's, we'll get into all the scriptures about it, but there's a place that we can remit um, their sins or effects. So you can bring some protection to the situation. Number five, ask God for wisdom. How to minister to the person. Ask God for wisdom. God will give you wisdom. And, uh, you know, ladies, they like to minister with books. They said, books and stuff around their husbands with pages marked and everything. And that's, you probably didn't pray about that, man. If you go to a bookstore, they're set up for women because most women read books. And they're very uh, feminine uh, the, when you go into a bookstore because they read most books. And most men know that you put the book there anyway. I've had them tell me, I know my wife puts that book there. I read the part she marked. It made me mad. I act like I never read it. And they know where you're putting the books there anyway. <laughs> and then they're definitely not going to read it. So, 
uh, ask God for wisdom, and, you know, how to minister to that person. And then uh, be a faithful worker yourself. Number six, be faithful yourself. You're praying for workers in that person you're praying for. Be a faithful laborer or worker in somebody else's prayer uh, that they're praying about. Or maybe you need to pray for boldness to minister to them yourself. could be God's waiting on you to take the step and to, to minister to them. That's power heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for the intimate relationship we have with you, Father. We thank you that we can come to you anywhere, anytime, that 24-7 you're available to us. And you welcome us, and we come boldly into the throne room as your son and daughters. Maybe today you can't pray that because you're not a son or daughter of God. Maybe today you've never taken that step, that step of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, that step of saying, it's your way from now on and not my way. I give you my allegiance, my devotion, I give you my heart, and I surrender to you. If you've never done that, today is your day of salvation. The Lord is here and he's ready to receive you and welcome you into his family. It doesn't mean that you get cleaned up. It doesn't mean that you have to stop this and, or do this. I'm talking about coming before a holy God and saying, God, here I am. Take me the way I am. And he'll mold you. He'll, he's a good father. He knows how to, to mold you and bring you up and make you strong in him. But you don't need to even think about that right now. It's the enemy bringing it up to you about this sin in your life or this wrong in your life. Jesus is about to cleanse you. His blood has not lost its power. It will cleanse you from the inside out. That's you today. I just want you to lift up your hand and say, I won't end on this prayer. Or maybe you prayed this before, but you realized this morning that you're lukewarm. And you've been looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, listening to things you shouldn't be listening to, that you haven't made time for the most important relationship that you have. And that's a relationship with Father God. That's you. I just want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. And God's going to do what only He can do. He's going to come and minister to your heart. Let's say this together. Say, Dear God, Thank you for Jesus Christ who died for me, who went to the cross, shed his precious blood where I could be family. I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. I believe this in my heart and I confess it with my mouth. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all of my life, past present and future into your loving hands. I thank you, Lord, for loving me. I thank you for saving me. I now belong to you. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, 
please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Oh, Lord, I'm a singer again forever.